You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Over my many years of researching and telling these long-forgotten true stories, it's become clear that reporters just love it when something out of the ordinary pops up. You know, it gives them the opportunity to write something that is sure to captivate their readers. And of course, the more sensational the story, the better. And I must admit that I'm guilty of this. Once a story of this nature falls into a reporter's lap, they pursue it relentlessly, you know, day after day, week after week, until every facet has been explored. In other words, they milk it for all that it's worth. Well, the story that I share with you today perfectly embodies this description. It revolves around mustard, relish, the United Parcel Service, you know, UPS, and three Michigan women who wore nothing but their shoes. This story swiftly garnered the attention of the wire service and it received national exposure by the news media. Yet, as swiftly as it rose to prominence, it faded into obscurity. So today I present to you the very quirky and long-forgotten true story of the Naked Mustard Ladies. I am Steve Silverman and this is the Useless Information Podcast. Useless Information At approximately noon on Thursday, April 17th of 1980, United Parcel Service driver Robert L. English was driving up North Deerfield Avenue in Lansing, Michigan to make a delivery when he passed the house at number 135. And it was a modest dwelling. It had been constructed in 1946 and measured just 816 square feet or 75.8 square meters. And if you go to Google Maps, you can see that it's still there to this day. However, it wasn't the house that captured his attention. Instead, it was the three women who were on the front lawn. You see, excluding their shoes, they were totally naked and seemed to be basking in the sunlight. So English instinctively looked away, quote, because I didn't want them to think I was staring. English then drove a bit further, turned off the truck engine, and he stepped out of the vehicle to make his delivery. Then, just after he dropped off the package, He heard the truck's engine start back up again, so he quickly turned from the house and he spotted the three women commandeering his vehicle. As they began to drive away, English gave chase. I have to say this seems almost comical. You have three naked women driving a UPS truck while it's a uniformed driver. He is frantically running behind the vehicle in an attempt to catch up with it. 
And right around the same time, Officer Dennis Bonjour was sitting in his patrol car in the police station parking lot, which I should mention was right around the corner from the scene of the crime. You literally could walk from the police department to the house. Anyway, he was completing some paperwork, and then he glanced up and noticed a UPS delivery truck driving by. He later recollected, quote, I saw the UPS driver with no clothes on. That was my first instinct. But he quickly ruled that crazy thought out. I mean, how could that be? Now, I should mention that race plays absolutely no part in the story, but what happened was that Bonjour, what he did is he mistook the brown skin of the female driver for the signature brown uniform that all UPS drivers wear. So, having ruled that out, he just returned his focus to the paperwork that was in front of him. But he didn't get much farther. That's because right at that very moment, his partner, that's Kenneth Hatfield, he came out of the building and informed Bonjour that a resident on North Deerfield had phoned in a complaint about three nude women who were lounging on a blanket right outside the house next to his. And that's when Bonjour realized that his first impression was correct. There really was a nude woman driving that truck. By this time, driver English had already caught up to his stolen truck. So he jumped aboard and began to question the women as to what they were doing. Quote, I asked them what was going on, and one of them said they wanted to go for a ride. Unquote. I've got to tell you, it was a short ride. A very, very, very short ride. They were only about 400 or maybe 450 feet from their North Deerfield house. That's maybe 122 to 137 meters. And here's the best part. Just where did they stop the truck? You're going to love this. Right in front of the police department. So officers Bonjour and Hatfield pulled their patrol car right up next to the truck. And in addition to the obvious lack of clothing, the two noticed something else that was very unusual. That is that the three women had something smeared all over their bodies. As Hatfield later testified, quote, I believe the first question I asked, uh, they had a substance on their bodies. I asked what it was. One of them told me it was mustard. And just why would they do such a thing? Quote, I was told it was food for thought. He then walked the three women over to the town hall, which was about 50 feet or 15 meters away. Once there, he hurried them inside, secured the doors, and he promptly retrieved disposable blankets from the rescue squad to provide cover for the women. But the officers were having a difficult time getting any information out of the women. In unison, their mood seemed to alternate between periods of whispering and giggling to other times when they appeared to be in a meditative, you know, trance-like state. The three wouldn't even state their names. According to Hatfield, quote, At one point I asked them who they were, and one replied, I think, that one was God, one was Mary, and one was Hercules. And according to others in the department, they also claimed to be Jesus, Goliath, Zorro, and, my favorite, Charlie's Angels. Then later, when Hatfield was attempting to take a photograph of the suspects, they just dropped their blankets to the floor. Of course, he did tell them to cover up again so he could snap the picture. At the time of their arrest, Hatfield had been an officer for six years and commented that this case was, quote, the first I've ever seen like it. Eventually, the three women did reveal their names, but their behavior was so unusual that the officers considered transporting them to the Ingham Medical Center for observation. 
However, the women did not appear to be under the influence of any drug or intoxicant, so that was ruled out. Well, by the next day, the story of the mustard ladies, as they became known in Lansing, it had spread like wildfire. It was making headlines, as you'd expect, all over the United States. And I figured I'd just give you a small sampling of some of the most original ones. And some of these may not make sense until we get farther into the story, but they're still very original. Here's the first one. Mustard maids remain mum. Or how about nude mustard trio set off for Eden in stolen truck? Three nudes relished romp. Naked sisters praise the Lord and pass the mustard. And my favorite, and it's not ketchup, it's ketchup, you know, like you put on your food. Cops catch up to mustard-coated nude women. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. It was Lansing Police Sergeant John Dragonchuk who found himself inundated with interview requests from media outlets all across the nation. He told the Lansing State Journal, quote, I've never seen anything like this at all. They were stopped directly in front of the township police department. The officers simply walked them over to the police department and covered them with blankets. The officers attempted to speak with them and they were told they planned to steal a truck. We've only been able to determine that it was done on a lark. Unquote. When questioned as to why the women were outside without any clothes on, Dragon Chuck replied, quote, We believe the women locked themselves out of the house, but they aren't talking about that part of it, so we really can't tell. As for the mustard, he said, quote, I have absolutely no idea. It was regular old mustard like you put on food. I have to say that only in Lansing Township could something like this happen. The following day, the three women, all of whom were sisters and lived together in that small house on North Deerfield, they were arraigned in district court in nearby Mason. They were 25-year-old Sandra Lewis, 27-year-old Charlene Roper, and 30-year-old Dashlyn McEwen. They were charged with joyriding and indecent exposure. Surprisingly, they weren't charged with auto theft. As Ingham County Prosecutor Peter Houck explained, quote, there's no way to prove to me or that I can prove in court that they plan to keep the truck, he added. Nobody steals a UPS truck with plans to keep it. What could you do with it? The three women pleaded innocent to the charges before 55th District Court Judge R. William Reed, and he ordered them held in Ingham County Jail and set bail at $1,000 each. That's about $3,650 each today. To secure their release, they only needed to post 10% of the bail amount, but unfortunately none of them had the means to do so. Yet it was still a mystery to investigators as to why women stripped off their clothing, you know, covered their bodies in mustard, and stole that UPS truck. Well, answers to those questions will be revealed in a front-page story that ran in the Wednesday, April 23, 1980 edition of the Lansing State Journal. Staff writer Dan Porman conducted a telephone interview with the eldest sister, that's Dashlin, and she shed light on the entire event. She explained, quote, 
We were reading the Bible and got filled with the Holy Spirit. We may have gone about it wrong, but it wasn't premeditated. We went out naked because the Bible said we had to get back to the Garden of Eden. We were trying to find God. And if you're wondering about the mustard, that's from their interpretation of the biblical parable, Matthew chapter 13, verses 31-32, which states, quote, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is smaller than all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in its branches. Dashlin continued, We couldn't control our movements. I don't know if it was the devil or God. Maybe a little bit of both trying to outdo the other. As for the theft of the UPS truck, quote, It was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. It was just sitting there with the keys in it. We just don't understand why we took the truck. The sisters weren't part of any particular religious denomination, and as Dashlin pointed out, they, quote, are certainly not members of a cult. Yet they were willing to take responsibility for what they had done, quote, We broke the laws of God and man and must now suffer the consequences. We acknowledge what we did was wrong and throw ourselves on the mercy of the court, this being our first offenses. We hope the court won't be hard on us. It was all on the spur of the moment. We were lost and had to find our way back to the garden. With God sustaining us, we are on the right track. End quote. Now, under normal circumstances, first-time offenders would be placed into the Ingham County Prosecutor's Diversion Program, and this is basically a form of probation that avoided court proceedings. If the offender managed to stay out of trouble for the entire length of the probation, the charges would be dismissed and no criminal record would be recorded. But the mustard ladies didn't qualify for the diversion program because they had been charged with indecent exposure, and that was considered a sex crime. Chief Assistant Prosecutor Dan McCullen explained that, quote, it's a non-divertible offense. In other words, the sisters could be facing a court trial. Yet, at the time of the interview with Dashlin, they had been in jail for five days and had yet to be contacted by an attorney. Luckily, Bill Barker, who is the head of the Ingham County Circuit Court Pretrial Services Bail Group, he approached Judge Reed and asked him if, quote, he would like a report and he said he would. And based on a favorable recommendation from that group, Reed agreed to release the women on a personal recognizance bond with the condition that they report by telephone to the bail project up until their preliminary examination date. That hearing took place on Wednesday, April 30th of 1980 before Judge Reed. Witnesses included officers Hatfield and Bonjour as well as UPS driver Robert English. The sisters, they were represented by court-appointed attorney John F. Mertz, who asked Judge Reed to dismiss the charges on two grounds. The first was that English didn't own the truck, and no one from UPS testified that the women could not take it. His second argument was that basic nudity wasn't indecent exposure. Quote, if there's a case here, it's barely a case at all. Judge Reed disagreed with both of Mertz's arguments. Firstly, it was evident that English was in possession of the truck when the sisters commandeered it. And regarding the nudity, Judge Reed concluded it was a case of indecent exposure. Consequently, he ruled that the three should be transferred to circuit court for trial, and he scheduled their arraignment for Wednesday, May 7th. 
It was on that date that the trio pleaded innocence of the charges. Defense attorney Mertz stated that, quote, they were just worshiping God in their own way, although he did add that it had been done in, quote, an unorthodox manner. A plea deal in which the indecent exposure charge would be dropped in exchange for a guilty plea for joyriding and probation was offered up, but Mertz insisted on a complete dismissal of the charges. Unable to reach an agreement, a trial date was set for November 6, 1980, but that date was postponed pending psychological examinations of the women. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The trial finally got underway on March 10th of 1981 with Ingham Circuit Court Judge Thomas Brown presiding. In his opening statement, Attorney Merce did not attempt to deny what the women had done. He argued, quote, It was the state of mind in which these acts were done. He added, If there's no criminal intent, there is no crime. Officers Bonjour and Hatfield once again told their stories, as did UPS driver English. Several other witnesses were called to the stand, and that included Barbara Dequette, who was a former Lansing Township Police Department dispatcher. She testified that when the three women were brought into the police station, she observed, quote, yellow stuff all over them and pickle relish in their hair. This was the first time anyone had mentioned relish, so she was questioned as to how she knew it was relish. She replied, quote, well, it looks like the same kind I put on my hot dogs. Towards the conclusion of the trial, three psychologists who had conducted evaluations of the sisters testified. They were Dr. Stephen Bank, who assessed Charlene Roper, and Dr. Paul Revlin, who evaluated Dashlin McEwen, and both stated that their examinations had revealed no signs of mental illness in the women. Yet Dr. Russell Petrella, who examined Sandra Lewis, he felt that she had shown some signs of paranoid schizophrenia shortly after the incident. Just as John Merce began his closing arguments on Friday, March 13th, Charlene broke into uncontrollable sobs, whispering, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's when Dashlin explained to Mertz that her sister, quote, was overcome by the Holy Spirit. So in solidarity, Dashlin also chanted, Thank you, Jesus, while raising her clenched fists into the air. It was at this junction that Judge Brown ordered the courtroom cleared. Once the court reconvened, Mertz was finally able to conclude his remarks. He insisted that the sisters had not done this to get attention. Quote, they got publicity worldwide and it was always a ha-ha matter. But it's not funny. The defendants have been vilified, laughed at. Unquote. Throughout the trial, the sisters wore identically colored dresses. White on the first day, blue on the second, and red on the last. Dashon explained, quote, White stands for purity, blue is for the waters of baptism, and red is for the blood of Jesus. The jury of seven women and five men deliberated the case for more than three hours that Friday night. They found all three sisters guilty, although Sister Sandra Lewis was determined to be guilty but also mentally ill. 
Sentencing was set for April 15th. Each sister was potentially subject to a maximum of two years in prison and a $1,000 fine for the joyriding charge, along with the possibility of up to one year in jail and a $500 fine for indecent exposure. Actual sentencing didn't take place until Wednesday, October 14th of 1981. Judge Brown sentenced Charlene Roper and Dasha McEwen to eight days in jail, but credited them for time already spent and had them released. Due to the jury's mental illness determination, Sister Sandra Lewis was forced to wait until Friday, October 30th to find out her fate. But in the end, her sentence was the same as her two partners in crime. She was credited for time served and released. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. I hope you enjoyed that story. Uh, I first came across it several months ago while reading one of those year-in-review-type articles from 1980. This story was highlighted as one of the more unusual ones of the year that had gone by, so I just did a quick search to find out more. And to my surprise, the story was covered in great depth across the nation. Although I should mention that I limited the bulk of my research to what was printed in the Lansing State Journal at the time. I also want to quickly mention that I have received sporadic complaints about the sound quality of the podcast. And my wife and I, we do listen to every episode before we post it, and we've never detected any issues. But I should also point out we don't have anything I consider to be high-fidelity equipment. Unfortunately, our house is situated near a sizable hill, which brings about regular disturbances from loud trucks and motorcycles that are constantly trying to accelerate up it. As a result, I'm using a microphone that limits all that external sound, but also means I have to be very, very close to the microphone or my voice uh, is dropped out. So I've tweaked it again. I tweak it almost every episode to try and improve it. And if it's gotten better or worse, just let me know. You can email me at steve at uselessinformation.org or you can go through Facebook Messenger and let me know. Just a reminder that you can find the Useless Information Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to subscribe. The Useless Information Podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, so be sure to visit airwavemedia.com where you'll find a curated selection of some of the best podcasts out there. As always, thanks for listening, and take care, everyone. Bye. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.